You're listening to Something Real, connecting the reality of God to the realities of life. On today's Something to Talk About, we are going back into Luke chapter 14, Give Up Everything, which is the message from this last Sunday. Uh, There's a lot to talk about here, which is good because this is called Something to Talk About. Uh, But as we get into this, you know, it's, it's a conversation about how hard it is to give up everything and and Jesus knows it's hard and he wants to make sure that you know we are going to commit to that and he makes no uh no qualms about how difficult it is uh and he wants to make sure that we're all in and he lets us know what it takes to be all in so that's kind of what we're talking about today so let's get right to it Good rainy morning. Good morning. It's been very rainy. I'm yeah, ready to build an ark. If it weren't for the promise of the rainbow that reminds me that God's not doing this again, uh, I'd be all over the ark. That's thing. such like the joke that it people is. <laughs> yeah, Oh, I'm going to build an ark. I uh, <clears throat> sent a text to a farmer friend uh, so well, at least we're not having a drought and he said I may, you know, build an ark instead of working on the equipment. Uh-huh, so, uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Never heard that one before. <laughs> Anyway, I haven't had a lot of people tell me they're going to do that instead of working on farm equipment. Well, true. So, uh, different Bible story altogether than what we're doing today. Right. Um, but good way to get into it. <laughs> we are uh, going to talk about uh, the message from this last Sunday, which focuses on Luke chapter 14. Yes. And, you know, as we've been, I just on the way to school this morning was working on a memory verse from that with my daughter, which was um, Luke 14 and the whole idea of that, uh, the whole idea of that particular uh, verse captures what we're talking about in this passage. So, in um, in Luke fourteen thirty three, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Jesus says, in the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. And I mean, that's that's the whole point of this of this section. So right. it's kind of a hammer right out of the gate. He makes the point very clear. It's very simple. Um, it's not difficult to comprehend, but it's really difficult to to take hold of in our hearts and to actually do it on a daily basis. So, the stresses of life and the, you know, the good things, the bad things, the the medium things, the, the indifferent things, they all. Uh, they all compete for our attention. Right. And, and we've dealt with this for a few chapters because this isn't new material for Jesus, but he's really con- you know, making this concise. Uh, it, it's, it's very concentrated here. And he's saying, look, if, if you don't get this, then you're really not a disciple. You, you can say it, but you're not really mine. You don't belong to me. And so we gotta, we got to understand that there's no there's no halfway. He accepts no right. part-time disciples. You're either all in or you're all out. Well, and I think that's you know important to touch on here because we, we like you just said, that's the big kahuna here for this whole uh, this yeah. whole section. And you know, in in these previous sections, we've kind of maybe focused on you know two or three things, or Jesus shares uh, several parables in one in one section, and he does go into a parable here uh, later on, but. Like you just said, this whole chapter fourteen—that's the underlying tone. Yeah, yeah. And so even at the even before he gets to where he's saying that to the crowds mm-hmm. in the parable, he's still saying that. He's saying right. that to the Pharisees that he's with. He's saying that to the uh, disciples who are in the close crowd with a close group with him, and, and then he's saying that to the larger crowds that so are. He's following not changing that, his tune, no matter who no, he's talking absolutely. to. 
<clears throat> and so, you know, he starts out with this uh, scene of healing on the Sabbath, which is not new. It, it seems to be a, a structural pillar for Luke to, to um, continue to use that to, to draw these sections in. So uh, as he transitions into this story, he has Jesus um, on a Sabbath, not in a synagogue, but at a house of a prominent Pharisee. Significant that it's a prominent Pharisee, too. It's not just mm-hmm. some, you know low-level dude, but this is a guy that, that everybody recognizes, everybody knows who it is. Not mentioned by name, <clears throat> but Jesus knows he's being watched, and because he knows he's being watched, he goes to them rather than letting them come to him and says, so what do you think, lawful or not lawful for me to heal this guy who's got um, a severe edema that, that's creating problems? They don't say anything because they've already been humiliated enough, so they're going to just kind of sit and <laughs> wait. Um, he does it. Then he clarifies for them, look, if any of you has a, a child or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath, won't you immediately pull them out? Of course you will. That, that's obvious. And he says the same thing here. He says, look, you, you guys are supposed to be the, the teachers. You're supposed to be the leaders. You're supposed to be leading people closer to God. Right. And instead, you're getting so focused on your own religious and cultural framework that you're missing your purpose. If you fast forward from from the beginning to the end of the passage in verse 34, he says, salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It's thrown out. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. And and when we see that jump from the beginning to the end, and and then we follow the, the line of thought through it as it goes from one to the other, what Jesus is saying to them, and the same thing he's saying to the rest of us, is if, if you don't fulfill your purpose, then you're worthless, you're garbage, and you get thrown out. In other words, I, I made you teachers, ostensibly himself, they're not going to realize that, but, but the Lord put you in this position. You're not using this position for the purpose for which the position has been given. So if you, if you aren't doing that, then I don't need you and you're thrown out. <clears throat> you take that whole thing and, and translate that over to the, to the kingdom concept that he's talking about throughout the, the passage. And if you, if you don't give up everything, if you don't do what is required if you, as far as being a disciple, and what is required is not for you to do any work, it's just for you to let go of everything that's holding you back, right. to let go of the things that would be idols. Anything that's between you and God, you got to let go of. Uh, it, it, it's kind of like if I'm, if I'm trying to grab onto a rescue rope, I can't still hold on to what I've been clinging to before. Mm-hmm. If I'm clinging to the side of a cliff and, and a search and rescue team comes with a uh, helicopter and they try to get me out of there, I got to take hold of that rescue gear right. and let go of the cliff to do that. That's all we do as Christians. He's done all the work. He's doing the rescue. We just have to let go. But it's scary to let go. We have to get to a place where we can recognize um, I have no choice. I either let go of everything that I'm clinging to now or I die. There is no other option. So and, thanks for joining us. <laughs> yeah, so, and, and really that's where he's going with right. this whole thing is, you know, if you're either all in or you're all out. Well, I, I think, you know, this, this I, I can see this in two different areas. Uh, number one, to put it simply, give up your stuff. Number two, give up your people. And I think those two areas are, one is going to be harder than the other depending on who you are. But, 
it's it's going to be hard one way or another. Well, and you and I have talked about this in, in on this podcast a number of times, but personally as well, it, it's even bigger than that. It's it's stuff, it's people, it's thoughts, it's well, yeah. fears, right, right. Uh, it's my emotions, it's my when my, you say everything, it's yeah. literally everything. It you know, so he starts out with these Pharisees, and he's calling them to let go of their pride, or, or actually even before he gets to pride, he's talking about letting go of their religious framework. Mm-hmm. Here's what you have mm-hmm. believed. You have to let go of that. To get to truth, you, have to, right. you, you know, not that everything that you've ever learned is wrong, but yeah, everything you've ever learned is wrong. <laughs> well, at least in the framework of it. So you've made your framework, your your uh, traditions and your views, more important than God's word, more important than the truth. And we do that today in a, a thousand ways. I was just listening to a, a, an even better podcast on the way in. What? Yeah, I know it's hard to believe, uh, but <clears throat> Al Mohler on his uh, podcast, The Briefing. Uh, looks at uh, news and current events through a Christian worldview. That's the the purpose of them. So uh, I, that's my plug for Al Mohler's podcast. I recommend it daily. Uh, but as he's looking at it, not from a political perspective, uh, although he talks about politics at times, but from a Christian worldview perspective, how do we see things? And there was an article he was talking about today uh, that was saying, unless the church wants to keep hemorrhaging members, we need to realize that, we don't need to take everything in the Bible seriously. We mm-hmm. need to, you know, we need to set that aside. We need to realize that we got, we've gotten it wrong, and the Bible is okay in its place, but I can't really trust it. And this is a church person saying this, uh, so he's not the only one. <laughs> no, that's the thing. We're <laughs> seeing this all the time, right. where we need to put the Bible behind our framework. The right. culture says this. The culture says that all the sexual rules are gone. The culture says that. You know, there's only so far that you should uh, go to take care of people. The culture says, you know, you can't love anyone else until you love yourself. All of these ridiculous things that we've been taught that have become so mainstream, so normal in us that it's like fish swimming in water and don't know they're wet. We're, we're surrounded, even the church, we're surrounded by these thoughts so much, so profoundly, so completely that we don't even realize it half the time until something happens like say the United Methodist Church uh, settling out their book of discipline that forces people to get on one side or, or the other and think about things that they hadn't thought about before. And so what Jesus is saying to these guys is, you got to let go of your framework to trust me. You, gotta, you have to literally get to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways, submit to him, and he'll make your path straight. So if we don't do that, we don't let go of that, then we can't even get to the rest of it. From a human perspective, that, you know, if you, I've often wondered this with with uh, other religions. Um, let, let's let's say Buddhism because it's the first thing that popped in my head. If someone grows Alphabetically, up, it comes pretty early. If someone, uh, it's early in the alphabet. Um, if someone's a Buddhist their whole life, mm-hmm. and then they they get a hold of the word and they start to dive into it or they start just learning more about it and they come across you know these teachings and and what you have to do and they decide that they do want to do that then i can't imagine i i mean i guess it's hard enough when you when you look at these various boxes that christianity has put in to to lose some of that or to change your framework on some of that but to completely change how you were raised what you thought the things you believed that's gotta be probably one of the most difficult things you could do (laughs) 
I, I think you're right. Uh, and I think it was last uh, last week you mentioned the, the rewiring. Maybe it was right. before that. <clears throat> the rewiring that we go through. And that's so true. There is a, we have to rewire how we think. We we are used to thinking a certain way and we have to change that. And that's true for everyone when right. we become a disciple. And you don't think it's wrong for so long. Like it, you could spend 50 years thinking one way and that's right. and you don't think you're doing anything wrong. Well, and, and that's probably even more of a struggle for someone who believes they're already following God. Right, right. Uh, your mom and I have talked about that pretty often, that you know there are a lot of religious people, mm -hmm. uh, we, all, we all have religious family members, religious friends, who believe they're following God, but they're really following a God that they've created in their own minds, that right. they've been given through the church where I have these check boxes I go through, and if I, and if I, I do all these things, but, but what we're not doing, generally speaking, is letting go of everything to take hold of right. Jesus. Right, I think in those instances, the pushback is harder. It is. You and don't want to give that I think it's up. even harder. You mentioned you know, Buddhism or other, other religions. That's super hard. And, and the right. cost is immediate because right. you're, you're giving up friends and family, just like Jesus talks about right. here. Uh, and, and he said that in previous chapter. I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword, to division. And the, the truth of God's word will cause division. You, you're either with it or you're not. And the Bible and, and Jesus don't leave room for this inclusive mentality that we've got. Mm -hmm. We're going to see that Luke is focusing on a true inclusion in that uh, as he's going through this, he's a Gentile writer in a Jewish book. He's, he's speaking about all these things <clears throat> that are really in his focus as Jesus pursues the, the least, the last, and the lost. And, and we'll really see that in the next chapter, chapter 15. So as he's doing that, there's nobody that Jesus doesn't want. There's no people right. group that's outside of that. There's no Jesus loves gay people and wants them to come to the knowledge of the truth. Jesus loves heroin addicts, and he wants them to come to the knowledge of the truth. Jesus loves socialists and, and capitalists and Republicans and Democrats and white people, black people, green and purple people, whatever, whatever people you got, all are called to, to come to the cross. Mm -hmm. Now we'll get into, at other times in other podcasts, other sermons, get into, uh, you know the the hardness of the heart and the difficulties, but but our default for all of us is death and hell. Our default because of our sin is separation from God, and Jesus wants all of us, and each one of us have different obstacles that we have to overcome. So if it's a Buddhist or whatever else, then when I turn from that and I say I used to see this as truth, I no longer see this as truth, and here's why: our our friends, our family, those who who have uh, respected us for our previous beliefs will almost always turn their backs on us. There right. are exceptions, but, right. but they'll, they'll reject us. It'll sever our relationships. It'll break up families. We see that kind of stuff pretty often. And, and the point of this passage that Jesus has is, is given us here is count the cost. Before you make a commitment, before you say, I want to follow, I want to be a disciple, Understand what it means to be a disciple. Understand what it costs. Because otherwise you're going to get in. It's going to get hard. You're going to fall away. And 
then you, a you look stupid. You're the you know you're the zyger at the uh, grocery store after you've done all your shopping and get to the checkout realize you didn't have your wallet. That you know says so you don't want to be that guy. Don't be zyger. You know you you want to know. Let's get that on a bumper sticker. <laughs> <laughs> you want to you want to know in advance. Okay, here's what I'm getting into. <clears throat> right. And I'm all in. And and I think that's such an important concept. Just not even in the spiritual sense. Just as a basic thing. And and we get away from that today. Whether we're talking about relationships, I see people getting into relationships all the time and not really knowing who they're marrying, not really knowing what they're getting into, uh, committing to churches, but not knowing what that is. Oh, I want to be a member. I want to be a Baptist. I want to be a member. I'm going to jump into this. And there is a cost. I think also as churches and as humans, we tend to not advertise the cost we don't like to talk about sure, that right so jesus the fine print jesus has the crowds here and for him there's no fine print i'm putting this in the headline mm -hmm. you want to follow me take up your cross which for them specifically means death humiliating difficult painful death there is no other way for them to see it that's the they don't have the cultural things of the cross that we have today so they are only looking at this as death and, and absolute giving up of my well-being and my physical and he's life. not trying to hide that not at all this is and that's what he's saying not to the insiders but to the to the crowd that's right. following him the the fanboys and fangirls who are chasing him around and he's saying look you want to follow me it will cost you everything know this before you get in so unlike the seeker driven movement of churches where we try to do everything we can to to make it fun to make church cool we want to get people in we want to try to connect with them where they are and all these kinds of things and not all of that is inherently bad but the motivation behind it gets bad sure and and that's what jesus is saying is the opposite we're not we're not no we're not going to try and make this for you i want you to know i love you i want you to come I want you to repent. Kingdom of God is near. Judgment is coming, and you can be saved or you can be judged based on what if you want to follow me or not. There is no other way. If you don't follow me, you die. But if you do follow me, you have to choose to die. You have to lay this all down, lose your life for my sake, and you will find real life. Try to save your life. Try to preserve your own life, your own well-being, your own mental health, your own comfort and and what your perception of fairness uh and reciprocity and, and all of these different things you try to hang on to those things then you lose your life then what have you gained you yeah you've got these temporary things but you've lost me you've lost the joy that comes with that as well so <laughs> jesus is really good at chasing crowds away and yet they keep coming. And, and so I think that's really something that we have to, to bear in mind as we're, as we're walking through our Christian life is he didn't just preach it. Not, and he didn't just preach it one time. He preached it consistently. Right, it, was, it was a central theme. Mm -hmm. Suffering is, no matter what anybody wants to tell you in, in the heresy of a prosperity, health, and wealth gospel, suffering is central to the Christian life. There is no Christian life without suffering. And we don't like that, but we can't read the scriptures and avoid that. I mean, it, it's 100% clear. It is both descriptive and prescriptive. It's a, a, we see a picture of how that works for them, and, and we are commanded to understand it. And 
you know, Peter said Jesus suffered, leaving us an example that we should follow. That we, you know, when we walk in his steps, it's not just to try to follow his moral example. It's to follow his example of suffering. Paul says, I, I give up all this stuff. I want to know Christ, and I want a fellowship in his sufferings. I want to join in that somehow through I this to be did, able Paul. to do it. You did pretty well. <laughs> You know, so that's a constant thing. His charge in Second Timothy three is join with us, join with me in this suffering, be a part of this, endure hardship as a soldier. And a soldier does this not because they like the hardship, they're not crazy, but they're focused on the mission and they see that there is something greater, more important than my hardship, more important than my suffering. But in that suffering, uh, it also ties back into this because in our suffering, it's so natural, I think, for us to want to do whatever we can and cling to whatever we can to get out of that suffering. Absolutely. When that, in reality, that's human reaction. Right. right when in reality, what we should be doing, you know, not that you shouldn't, you should just, you know, lay down and, and take whatever. Um, but I think to get through that suffering, part of it is letting go of, of your own understanding of what can and can't be done. It seems counterintuitive, doesn't it? It does. So we have this, this internal drive and, 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 uh, there's some debate, but I think most psychologists would would be in agreement that the avoidance of pain is generally a stronger driver than the pursuit of pleasure. We pursue mm-hmm. pleasure, but but generally speaking, the, the avoidance of pain is a stronger driver for right. it. Because at least if you're not feeling any pain, you're fine. Right. Like, you know. Well, the, the Romans and Soviet Russia did the same <laughs> right. the same kind of thing. Roman uh, The Romans would uh, provide bread and circuses because the people right. would be fed and entertained and that's really all they wanted so that's good we can oppress them we can you know do all these different things tax the heck out of them it doesn't really matter because they're happy and they're entertained as they go through this <laughs> usually happy with bread and, and too. So, so they just uh it, and if you can get some gouda to go along with it right. then you're really good but as they're um as we see how that works in our own lives man that's how we are Look at look at politically, okay? So every time we see an election, if you go back to, to the Clinton campaign, it's the economy stupid, you know, that kind of stuff. Whenever people are happy and satisfied, they are unmotivated mm-hmm. as far as the vote goes. So people do not come out. People who are happy tend to just go along with it. A, they when they do vote, they vote for the incumbent because we would like things to stay the way they are. Um, so we need some sort of controversy or some sort of, pain to avoid that causes us to want to go out to the polls and vote, especially if we want to vote for a, for a challenger. But we do that in our everyday lives as well. How many people do you know, or more specifically, how many of us, when everything is going well, God's kind of in our hip pocket. You know, he's, he's in the background. Yes, we love God. And we go to church, but it's not really the same kind of passion as when we are broken and on our knees and going through, you know, custody battles, going through uh, cancer, going through uh, abuse and unfair treatment. And I got fired from my job that I've given my life to. I've been working here for 32 years, and all of a sudden they kick me out the door for some younger guy and I lose my retirement or, or a significant portion of it. All of that Guilty. drives <laughs> us to, the, to our knees. Right. But when things are going well, right. when we're comfortable, then we're not looking for change. We're not looking for something different. That's why I think so many of the Psalms come from that place of, of suffering and misery. So David, uh, or whoever it is that's writing, but very often we see this with David, driven to his knees in despair, and that's what turns his heart to the Lord. And then in seeing that, it brings back the joy. 
this is where I should have been in the first place. But my complacency left me there. So, but that's such a cyclical thing, and I hundred percent, yeah. I mean, that stinks. Like that's 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 very that's that makes me feel guilty. We think we're pretty smart people, but <laughs> right. we keep doing the same dumb right. stuff since Eden. The same cycle over and over. And it's like you know, again, why am I doing this? this is not what I want to do. This yeah. is not who I want to be. Why do I keep doing this junk? Right. And why do I keep being this way? So Paul says in Romans that's seven. What, yeah. Yeah. What, Thanks, Paul. Well, he's pretty good at that. <laughs> in, in this whole copying down what God wants him to say, it's right. kind of kind of good. But you see what Paul says in Romans 7, I, I know what I want to do, right? and I don't do it. I know what I hate doing, and, I keep, doing and I keep doing that. I know what I'm supposed to do. I can see it. It's right here in front of me, and yet I choose wickedness. I choose evil. And Paul's writing scripture. Paul is, right. you know. Paul ain't no dummy. He's an apostle. Right. He's seen Jesus. He's had this massive conversion. He's spreading the gospel throughout the continent. And He's still having the same struggle. It doesn't make me feel better about my own garbage. No, but, but it, it does remind <laughs> us that this is the normal pattern. And God has seen fit to include that in Israel's history. One of the beautiful things about Scripture is God doesn't pull punches. So as he's talking about, you know, we talk about Bible heroes and stuff. There are no Bible heroes except for Jesus. Right. All of the great men and women of faith are fatally flawed. And God doesn't hide that. David's an adulterer and a murderer, you know, and you know, Moses is a coward and a and you know, uh Abraham's a liar and and Noah uh the first thing he does, the first thing he does, or at least that's recorded for us, after he gets off the ark, after all of the amazing things, you, you the only people on the planet saved through this flood and his boys find him naked and drunk in his tent. Like, dude, so it's not some external thing that causes us to sin. It's something inside of us. So we see in the pattern of Israel's history, which is a reflection of human history, that as things go well, they get complacent. Until things start to go bad, then they turn back to God. When things go well again and, and they're being blessed and God does what he says he's going to do, then they turn away from him and they start to ignore him and want to be like everybody else and they get caught up in worldly things. And then God says, okay, I'm going to let you have what you want. Mm -hmm. Things go badly. They call on him. They turn back to him. He comes back uh, and, and blesses them. We see that same thing in the church. Every time the church has been comfortable, when the church was persecuted uh, in Rome, uh, especially you know, after uh, Diocletian and, and so on, <clears throat> we see this, this rapid growth um, because there are no fake Christians when claiming to be a Christian is going to get you thrown in right. with the lions right. in the Colosseum. If you're going to die for your faith, you're not faking anymore. There's no cultural Christianity. We've been used to that in our lifetime. A more, a more recent example, I think, is, um, oh shoot, I don't remember her name, and there was a movie just out about her, with the uh, girl from Columbine. Oh, yeah. When they asked about, you know, her faith. And mm -hmm. she said she they had a gun to her face, yeah. you know, and she said she was a Christian. And she may have been at various times. In fact, I think a couple of uh, things I've seen about the story, there have been a number of times for her when she wasn't walking right, right. As, right. as this young lady, like so many of us. But at the end of her but life, now, when she knew that was happening. This clarifies <laughs> things right. for me. Right. So when, when uh, Constantine has his vision and, and makes... Christianity not only legal and protected, but the official uh, religion of the realm, of the empire, then the church almost immediately began to become corrupted and fat and lazy and uh, consumed by earthly things. When, uh, the people from Wally. <laughs> well, uh, you know, when we, see, when we see this comfort come to us, right. 
then we get caught up in the comfort. Solomon, you know, this great king, and God gives him this great wisdom, and then he gets caught up in the blessings instead of the blesser. And that's that's me, that's us. Mm -hmm. And and so Jesus is saying, look, if you're going to be my disciple, you got to let go of the rest. You got to dump all the stuff of this world. And if you don't, if you think you can have one hand on me and one hand on the world, Sorry, you, you don't get you that. There's go. no part-time disciples. You're all in or you're all out. If you don't give up everything, other translations would, would render that renounce. If you don't renounce everything you have, the emotional things, the uh, the metaphysical things, the 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 stuff, the people, which is totally against what I think, especially you know, a, a European or or North American culture is all about. It's right. totally the opposite of that. We're yeah. we're you know, work hard, get what you get, what you can, hold on to what you can, blah blah blah. Totally opposite of that. Yeah. So I think it's a very difficult thing to fully accept. Well, and somebody right now is probably hearing this and saying, "Well, then we should just go to socialism or communism, right. and then we don't have anything." That's not the point because I still am holding things inside. Right. Whether I have stuff or not isn't right. the point. It's not actually about your physical stuff. Just like you have greedy, greedy rich people and greedy poor people. It's not greedy about the stuff. People. Yeah, greedy rich people. That's my new book. That um, was my nickname in high school. <laughs> so regardless of all of that, the sin is inside of us. Right. It's not external to us. Uh, and, and the sin ultimately is valuing anything else over God, which is exactly why taking hold of Jesus requires letting go of everything else. I think that's a good place to end it. What are we talking about next time? Uh, next time we'll be talking <laughs> about uh, these principles flipped. So we go into chapter 15 and Jesus shares some parables that explain to us the heart of God toward lost people. Sounds good. So thank you guys for joining us and we will be back on Friday. Yay. Thanks, guys. <laughs>